This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Terrio Media. Broadcasting from Terrio Studios in Glendale, California, it's time for Epic Real Estate Investing with Matt Terrio. Uh, yeah, hello, and welcome. Welcome to Epic Real Estate Investing, the place where I show people how to escape the rat race using real estate. You just got to do one thing, do this one thing one time, and that thing is to shift your focus from making piles of money to making streams of money. If you've started this new year without a New Year's resolution, perhaps that could be it. I give that one to you. Shift your focus from making piles of money to making streams of money, and you are on your way to financial freedom. It's not the most exciting path. You've heard me say that before, and I'll keep saying it because it's not very exciting, but it is the fastest, and that right there is a promise. And once you get there, life then becomes exciting. So let's start that exciting life in this brand new year. How about that? So happy new year to you all. Welcome back. Hope your uh, holiday break was a fantastic one if you took a holiday break. And if you weren't able to take a break, hopefully the time that you did get with your family and you did get to to reflect was all worth it and fantastic. Glad you're all here. I know you've uh, got big dreams this year. You've got big ambitions, big aspirations to make 2016 just absolutely the best one ever. And I'm going to do everything that I can. I'm going to provide you with anything that I can to help you to accomplish everything that you've written down for yourself. And that is step one. If you haven't written down your goals for this year, uh, they're just gonna stay in that dream category. They're not officially a goal until you write them down. And you gotta write them down in a way that they're very specific, they're very measurable, and they've gotta have a deadline. That makes them an actual goal. That moves them from the dream category to the goal category. Alrighty, so write them down and then uh, let me know how Uh, Us over here at Epic Real Estate can help you make those dreams, those goals, an actual reality. Okay, so let's begin with just a a major announcement, which I think is very, very cool. Uh, My partners over at Epic Fast Funding, they just informed me that we funded more than $10 million to this Epic community, you, in 2015. More than $10 million. I thought that was pretty awesome. I had no idea we'd gotten that high. And uh, <clears throat> excuse me, if you didn't get your share of those funds, you didn't get a, your share of that 10 million, you can now go through their 60 second application with zero upfront fees. That's right. In 2016, there are zero fees until you are actually approved for at least $50,000 or you pay nothing. 
That's how confident they are. That's that's the track record and the foundation that we've been able to lay this last year. So now they're just like, forget the upfront fees. We don't need the upfront fees. We're going to get you approved anyway, right? So the average Epic investor in 2015 was approved for just a hair over $90,000. So now you don't pay, you pay nothing until you are approved for at least 50,000. And the average Epic community member got 90. Most of them were, I, I, saw, I, don't, I can't say most because the average was 90, but um, plenty in the 120, the 130, 140, $140,000 range. And at typically a, a 0% interest for the first 12 to 18 months, you know, when you account for that and there's, there's zero fees and the 0% interest, it's the cheapest money currently in the market that I've found. It is the cheapest. So start your new year off right by going to epicfastfunding.com. Zero fees, nothing to lose. Get your share of the of this year's 10 million bucks. That'll probably be even more this year. And it's all just credit score based. So that's that's the one caveat. You have to have a decent credit score. I think it's 670, 680 uh, and, and above that. And all you have to do is state your income. And boom, you are on your way. Yep, stated income funding. It is alive and well over at epicfastfunding.com. Alrighty, so today's show. Let's start off the year by looking back at the 10 most common mistakes made in 2015. And these are the 10 most common mistakes I noticed amongst my own coaching clients. Mistakes that actually cost them money and probably cost them a lot more than they really want to realize. So let's learn from the past and apply those lessons to the future. So we're gonna go over the 10 mistakes wholesalers make and leave money on the table. Now, I have to admit, I didn't really know what wholesaling was for the first few years for my real estate investing career. I mean, it seems so commonplace now, I can't believe there was a time where I didn't know what it was, but I really didn't. And I was involved in real estate before I even really considered what I was doing or called myself a wholesaler. And I certainly didn't know any people that were uh, you know, out there exclusively making their money from this one single practice. I mean, to me, from my mentor, I was taught to search for deals that I could buy and hold. That was the whole thing. Let's get the streams of income going. Let's get that passive income to exceed your, your monthly expenses. Let's get you out of the rat race. So that was the whole focus, was searching for those deals that I could buy and hold and produce a passive income for myself to produce positive cash flow. And, and whatever didn't fit into that category, I just flip it to someone else as fast as I could. That's all. You know, I'd buy low, sell low, and move on looking for that next uh, buy and hold property. That was my focus. Let's just buy it low, sell it low, get it fast, put some money in your pocket and go look for the next deal that's gonna put some cash flow into your pocket. And I came to realize that, you know, regardless of what your exit strategy is, you know, the acquisition strategy for everything is the same. It doesn't matter what you're gonna do with the exit. The acquisition is the same though. You know, whether it's, you know, you're doing dealing with multifamily or commercial or you're doing lease options or buy and hold, fix and flip, wholesaling, um, the first few steps of all of those strategies are identical. Meaning, one, you've got to generate the lead. Two, you've got to sort the lead. Three, you've got to secure that lead. You've got to get it under contract. And four, you've got to analyze the deal. You've got to analyze the lead. You've got to conduct your due diligence. And regardless of you know where you're headed, those steps, they don't change. And regardless of what you call yourself, those steps don't change. You must conduct those four steps before you can even decide what you're going to do with the property. You have to conduct those four steps to determine which exit strategy is going to pay you the most profit or, or which one of those exit strategies is gonna get you to your goals the fastest. You gotta go and generate the lead, you gotta sort the lead, you gotta secure the lead, and then you gotta analyze the lead. And then you can decide what you're gonna do with it. 
And that's what the Epic Pro Academy is primarily about. It's a little bit of a misconception that it's a wholesaling academy. It's not a wholesaling academy. No, that's not what it is. It's a real estate investing academy and a complete one at that. It's just that the exit strategy of wholesaling is very popular generally because it's the path of least resistance to a paycheck to the fastest. It's the fastest path to a paycheck and it be, can be conducted regularly with little, if any, of your own money. And so in the academy and in my coaching, I spend a lot of time and focus on those four steps. How to generate the lead, how to sort the lead to know whether it's a suspect or a prospect, how to put that deal under contract, and then how to go and analyze that lead. And, you know, because I, I spend so much time on those, the reason I do is it's, if you get good at those four steps, if you get good at those four steps, you call the shots. You are in control. There are so many more buyers than there are deals. And if you get really good at finding the deals, you can write your own paycheck. You can write your own future. And then for inside the academy, then I can teach you how, how to go ahead and, you know, do the lease options or the, you know, the, the buy and hold or the fix and flip or the wholesale. You know, it's where the money is made is in those first four steps, finding the deal and buying it right. And then how you want to collect your money, then that's up to you. Whether it's the lease option, the buy and hold, the fix and flip, or the wholesale. But with these four steps being where the money is made, finding the deal and buying it right, understand that wholesaling is not going to make you wealthy, though. It might be the easiest strategy. It might be the fastest strategy. Um, it might be the strategy that you can easily duplicate. And once you get a couple of deals under your belt, you go, ah, cool, I got the hang of this. Now I now I can make money. And this is really good money. It's good chunks of money. But just understand it's not going to make you wealthy. You may make a lot of money, but two very important things that you must always consider, or I, don't know, I would say there, there are truths that you never want to lose sight of, is one, it's not going to make you wealthy. Wholesaling isn't. And two, you are exchanging time for dollars, meaning you will never get to stop. You're on the left-hand side of that cash flow quadrant. You're, you're in the self-employed side. And I got to tell you, that S quadrant, although the, the income potential is much greater than the employee quadrant, that E being the employee, it's probably the, the, the biggest trap. It's where it's easiest to get stuck because you make a lot of money, but it takes a lot of your time and effort to do it. And so... Be careful of that. Be considerate of that. Because if you, if, I mean, if you stop, the money stops. And there's nothing wrong with wholesaling. I'm not saying don't do that. I'm not, not by any means. I mean, I wholesale a dozen properties a month or so myself. But, but keep your eye on the big picture. Don't lose focus of tomorrow's money in exchange for just today's money. And I'm going to re request that you no longer think of yourself as a wholesaler here. You're no longer a wholesaler. You are a real estate investor the investment part, that I quadrant, that's where the wealth comes in, the investor part. Now you can wholesale the, the properties that don't fit your, your, your portfolio, but you're always an investor. You're always looking for the investment. The wholesaler, that's thinking really small. Real estate has so much more to offer than wholesaling. So use wholesaling to get your foot in the door if you have to. But investing, that's where it's at, all right? Now, with all that said, the 10 mistakes I see wholesalers make where they leave money on the table really apply to all investors. 
and it's within these first four steps. So let's move into 2016 with a new context of one, I am a real estate investor, and two, I'm going to learn from other people's mistakes as much as I've learned from my own so that I stop leaving money on the table. Deal? All right, let's get to those 10 mistakes that you're no longer going to make. We'll get to those in 30 seconds, right after this. You've got the knowledge, now get the funding. It's simple, it's easy. Go to epicfastfunding.com and get up to $150,000 in revolving credit lines for your real estate business. Use your funds for property purchases, renovation expenses, marketing and promotion, anything your business needs. Go to epicfastfunding.com, fill out their 60 second application and receive your funds in as little as seven days. Epicfastfunding.com. When you combine wisdom and leverage, magic happens. Epicfastfunding.com. All right, mistake number one. Not scheduling time for your money-making activities, specifically the money-making activities. This means, you know, going and taking your calendar and delegating hours, you know, specific hours of each week and committing specific time in your schedule to the money-making activities. And it's exactly what they sound like. They are the activities that are directly tied to you making money. Like designing your new business logo, that's not a money-making activity. Getting just the right, you know, um, what would you call it? Say the right fax machine, I guess, or the right internet service in your office. You know, getting those t-shirts ready or getting your business cards ready. Those aren't money-making activities. And if you're at a loss of what money-making activities are, go to dailysuccessreport.com. Go to dailysuccessreport.com and you can download the Daily Success Report that we use inside of the Epic Pro Academy. You don't have to opt in or anything. Just type in the domain and I think it automatically downloads into your computer. And then just make multiple copies of those and uh, you'll hold one for each day of the week and you'll just keep track of your points and make sure that you hit a certain number of points on those specific activities. And this is especially important for those people that have full-time jobs, for those that have maybe more than one job, maybe you got two jobs or three jobs, or you've got family commitments. It's really for those people, it's for everybody, but specifically for those people that don't think they have the time, you need this daily success report and you need to use it. You need to keep track of it and, and you need to use it on a daily basis. Because if you are focused, say two, maybe three hours, if you're really a hard charger, on just that daily success report and just those activities, two to three hours a day, you would crush this business. If you are focused on just that report, if you don't, if for two to three hours a day, you don't do anything unless it's on that report, you can crush this business, okay? You'll find out how much time, you'll really become clear to how much time you actually waste during the day. And when you think you don't have the time to get to everything, it's because you're doing all these other little things that aren't making you money. So that's mistake number one. Um, number two, setting weekly goals around those activities and measuring your, your activities in correlation to your results and doing that weekly. You wanna measure the results of last week and then figure out how to improve them next week. Now we started doing that in this office. Um, I haven't done it in a long time, but now I'm building a team nationally of wholesalers and, and even inside my the people that are here in the office, Every single Monday, we have a meeting and we go over those numbers. And we measure the specific numbers that are tied to the results. And each week after, we try to, or each, um, 
Each meeting, we try to beat the number that we had the previous week. And then we've kind of dialed it in now so we know what number we have to hit to hit our income goal. So we reward everybody when they when they hit their goal and then they get public shame when they don't because everybody can see that they didn't hit their goal. So um, there's a lot of, uh, I guess that's where your results are really going to come from. Because when people come to me and they say, Matt, this isn't working or this is not working like I thought it would or, you know, I, this is not for me. And my question is always, okay, so was it it that didn't work or was it that you didn't work? And some people, most people go, yeah, I guess I didn't really try as hard as I could have. That's that's common. Most people do that. But then there's a small percentage like, no, I did everything I could. And I said, great. Show me your daily success report. And they can't. Or they say, hey, everybody in my market is a short sale. And I said, really? So how many people have you talked to in your market? Well, I talked to nine people last week and all of them were short sales. I'm just like, nine people? Nine? You got to talk to hundreds before you could even closely determine that. Or, you know, I sent out that direct mail and everybody calls me and yells at me. I said, really? How many calls did you receive? Oh, I, you know, 20 people. And I said, so all 20 yelled at you? Well, no, not all 20 yelled at me. He's like, you, you've got to really get clear with yourself and set these goals so you really know what's happening. This can be a very emotional business and reality can get away from you. But if you're keeping track and you're setting goals and you're exceeding, meeting those goals or exceeding those goals on a, on a weekly basis, you're going to get success. This will work for you and it's going to work for you because you are working. Got it? All right. So that's number two. Number three, um, relying solely on, you know, electronic type set it and forget it correspondence. For example, uh, you know, blasting out, trying to prospect uh, your sellers with email or, or Craigslist or your buyers through text messages and voice broadcasts or, or even direct mail to some respects. If, um, if that you're relying solely on this passive form of prospecting, this passive form of selling, it's going to be a problem because this is a people business. And if you try to remove the people from it, particularly trying to remove yourself so you don't have to talk to people, you're going to fail. So you need to get on the phone with your buyers. You need to follow up with your sellers. Hey, did you get the offer? Oh, okay, what about the offer? Was, was it too high or was it not enough or the, the time frame is, is not the right? We, get on the phone and start talking to people. And you know why? Because most people don't. So if one, it's a person business. It's a people business. And second, if you get on the phone and you start talking to people rather than just taking a text message that says, no, I don't want to sell, or a response to your email saying, get lost, unsubscribe, it's going to be a really tough business. So don't forget that there are people involved. Every piece of real estate that you buy or sell is going to be from or to another person. Get on the phone with your buyers, follow up with your sellers, go to your RIA meetings, go and pitch your deals. It's people business, okay? There's great use for all of that other stuff, for the email, the text, the voice broadcast, all that stuff, the direct mail. It all works. But if you're doing it to remove yourself away from it completely, you're going to have a problem. Okay? It's still a people business. And if you're in contact, person to person, belly to belly, meeting with your buyers and sellers, you're going to have an, a, a tremendous advantage in your business. Okay? So that's number three. Number four. We've talked about this before. Negotiating on the seller's and buyer's behalf. 
you know, deciding not to give an offer to a seller because you think they just won't accept it. Or um, you don't call a, a, your buyers and pitch a deal to them because you think they, they're not going to like it. If you're doing that, stop doing it. Stop negotiating on, the other se- on your seller's and buyer's behalf. Just because you think they're not going to accept your offer, and so because you think that they don't, you don't get, even give them one, so you don't even give them the opportunity to make a decision for themselves, just because you wouldn't accept that offer doesn't mean that they wouldn't. Whatever's going on in their life is probably entirely, almost certainly, entirely different than what's going on in your life. They called you for a reason. They've got some sense of motivation. They want to sell that property. And then with buyers, just don't blast it out. And, you know, hopefully they'll go ahead and, uh, or, or excuse me, I would say rather choose not to blast it out because you don't think anyone's going to like it or not to pick up the phone and call that buyer because they think, you don't think they're going to like it. Get on the phone. Let people make up their minds. Everybody's an adult in this game. Everybody's big boys, big girls. We all got our big, big adult britches to put on. We can all make decisions on our own. So give people the opportunity to make those decisions. Don't make the decisions on their behalf. Got it? So that's number four. Number five, urgency. You got to create urgency with your buyers and your sellers. And here's what I mean. Um, like with sellers, if they call you, if, if you can pick up the phone when they're calling you, that's probably your greatest likelihood of getting a deal. If you have to call them back, you know, you're, you're, I don't have a measurement of what that is, but I know just by my experience in doing this and the many people that I've coached is that you're, chance of success drops considerably. And the longer you wait, the faster and harder they drop. So with your sellers, when those calls come in, be, I mean, you got to get back to them. You got to treat it like you're going out on that first date, you know, and and you've got that new person in your life that, you know, you get, you get all excited when you just start thinking about them and, and you get that little, you know, pit in your stomach when you're around, when you're not around them for, for, um, when you've been separated from them for a while. And you know their phone rate, you're just like, I wonder if they're going to call. I wonder if they're going to call. I hope they call. And when they do call, you pick up the phone and you're so excited and relieved that they actually called. And then you schedule the date and then you do whatever you can to get over there. And, you know, and you, you, you brush your hair better. You, you brush your teeth and you, you, you take the shower. You get your, you actually iron your clothes and, and you go out there because it, that, it's important to you. When you're dealing with your sellers, it has to be that type of important to you. And you have to be urgent about it. You got to be, oh my God, thank God they called. Now I get to, now my life, my day, I can get on with my day. And you got to get back to them and you got to help them out with their issue. Because if you don't, someone else will. And with your buyers, you know, just don't, when they call and they ask about one of your deals, just don't give them the property address and, and have them, you know, just go drive by, tell me what you think. No. Instead, get a commitment from them. Get a commitment from them to call you back at a certain time. And even better, make that time a deadline. You know, something I like to to say all the time is, hey, I've got some offers coming in. Drive by, look at it. I'm probably going to pick one of these offers around 6 o'clock tonight. So call me back and let me know your thoughts. Because you know what? The actual offer that I'm going to accept is a little bit less than I wanted to accept, what I thought I was going to get for this deal. But just in the sense of expedient or in the interest of expediency, I'm going to go ahead and I'm probably going to accept this offer. So it would be really in your best interest to go drive by and submit your offer, your highest and best. Do that to me, by, uh, give that to me by six o'clock tonight. And I don't know, we, you could very easily have a deal tonight. Create that sense of urgency. Let them know there's other people looking at it because there's always other people looking at it. And it's likely that you have received an offer that's not really the one that you want. 
you're going to make a little bit less than what you're going to, what you thought you're going to make. Let them know that there's, and the reason I say that, that you might accept this lower offer because if you tell them that, Hey, I got my asking price and your asking price is too much for them. They're not going to submit an offer at all. But if you let them know that, Hey, I'm, it's kind of like indirectly saying I'm open to negotiating without saying I'm open to negotiating, saying, Hey, I'm going to accept this offer. I'm going to close this deal. I'm going to move on to my next one. But you know, I'm a little disappointed that this isn't really what I wanted. So you might want to go ahead and give me your highest and best offer. So it says that they need to come in with as much as they can possibly give you uh, if they want that deal. Does it make sense? So create urgency with your buyers, create urgency with your sellers. You spend all this money, all this time, this effort and this sweat generating leads and generating your seller leads, generating your buyer leads. This has to be like that new date. This has to be, God, thank God they called. Now I can go crush this, right? Now I can get back to them and, and I can create this transaction. So number six, failing to write a counteroffer. You know, whether you're dealing with your buyers or your sellers, if you don't get what you want, always counter. Never let the ball bounce twice in your court. You know, referring back to our mistake number three, don't, don't do all of your negotiating via email and fax and text message, voicemail. Don't do any of that. Get on the phone. If you're in a negotiation and, and, and the first attempt was unsuccessful, get on the phone to find out why, to find out where there is a happy medium. Get face-to-face if you have to and find out what the real sticking points are. And, you know, if your last offer was no good and you offered $90,000 to buy their house and they won't go one penny under 100 and they sent that to you, said, I won't go one penny under 100, but 90 grand is your top dollar, counter back with 90 grand. Just send the same exact offer again or go and look at the terms. Go look in, okay, so this is a 30-day escrow. What if I did it in 21 days? Or what if I got my inspections done in seven days instead of 14 days? There's all different things you can counter with. So don't let the price be the only sticking point, okay? Um, or if you want to go up to the $100,000, say, hey, great, give me 60 days because that's what the market is dictating it's going to take for me to get anywhere close to that price. You can go, you can negotiate all types of other things other than just the price. So if that price is not what you want, um, don't, don't just not write a counter offer and walk away. Got it? So that's number six. Number seven, and this kind of, you know, leads, these are kind of connected is walking away um, from a deal without a purchase agreement because your minimum deal standards weren't met. Just because a seller rejects your offer, that doesn't mean you don't have a deal. You know, ne- next time that happens where, your, your offer gets rejected. Try something like, hey, Mr. Seller, I understand how you might be coming up with your number, you know, but from my daily experience, I don't think the market is going to support it. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, after I complete my due diligence, if, if everything you shared with me, shared with me, with me, is me, is, is supported by the market, then, you know, I, I to your price. If not, we can just, we'll explore other options. Deal? So, you know, listen, the fact is that purchase agreements, they're not in stone. They can be changed at any time. As long as both the buyer and seller agree, I mean, it happens every single day. As long as you set the seller's expectations correctly, it's best for you to have your deal secured, even if the deal is really narrow, if it's really thin. Market the property, get feedback from buyers, and report your findings to the seller and ask for concessions. If you keep coming back to the seller with evidence from the market, as opposed to just your opinion on that initial phone call, 
sellers will change their mind. If you walk away without the contract, then you don't have a chance. Give yourself a chance. And that leads me to mistake number eight, failing to ask for concessions mid-deal. You know, whether it's the, it's the, the rehab that is it's more than you initially thought or there's new comps that came in after you were under contract and you found out that, that now the market is not supporting that price anymore or, or no offers are coming in from buyers or the offers are too low, the ones that are coming in, that's the market speaking to you. That's the market telling you what the property is actually worth. And up until you close, that property, understand this, that property, it's the seller's problem. But after you close, it's your problem. It's your responsibility. So ask for concessions mid-deal for any reason. I mean, you are an investor. It is your job to buy low, to buy as low as you possibly can so you can sell high and and sell as high as you can to make the maximum profit for yourself. You're an investor. If you don't like that, then this isn't for you. But you are an investor and that's the definition of what you do. Now, be honest and deal fairly, but if the market is telling you that you're paying too much, don't just cancel the contract. Don't just walk away. Take your market information back to the seller and share it with them. Sellers are more reasonable than you think. And back to to mistake number four we talked about. Don't negotiate on the seller's behalf. If you think they're not going to take it, that doesn't mean just don't offer it to them. You got to give them the opportunity to make their own decisions. And what you'll find if, uh, you know, you're in communication with the seller and you'll be, you're under contract. This is your deal. That seller has to talk to you now. And there's different things going on in their mind. They're planning their move and you're planning your purchase and you both are on, on an alignment to close at a certain time. You're developing a relationship with each other. And this is a problem that you both have decided to to work together to solve, to sell this property. Share the market information with them. They'll be more reasonable than than you could possibly imagine them in most cases, especially if they're already under contract with you. They've already committed to you. They've already agreed with you. So if there's some adjustments that need to be made, they might be uncomfortable. They might not like it. But if it's the market saying it and it's not just your opinion, then you're likely to get, not always, but you're likely to get that concession. So just... Make sure that you don't just walk away. Ask for the concession before finally canceling the contract, okay? That brings me to number nine is, mistake number nine is inappropriately setting the seller's expectations, okay? So be straight with the seller. Let the seller know that you are an investor and that it's your intent to buy their property. That's your intent. Let them know you're a professional too. Let them know that should you happen to find out mid-deal that their property isn't a good fit for your portfolio, don't worry about it. But let them know that you have a network of investors of whose portfolio it probably will fit. Either way, Mr. Seller, I'm going to see to it that you get your proceeds in the time promised in the contract. And then if, if something comes up that prevents me from keeping that promise, I'll let you know immediately so as to avoid any unnecessary inconveniences. That's setting the expectations appropriately. That's being straight. That's being honest. That's dealing fairly. People appreciate that. And they like to do business with people like that. And, and when you do it that way, the emotions of your business are kept at bay and it keeps you out of court too. So just be straight and, you know, be clear with what you're going to deliver and do your best to deliver it. And if at any moment during that process, you find out, uh-oh, I'm not going to be able to deliver it, get back into communication with the seller and let them know and then come to them with a few different options, a few different solutions. Okay. So 
Uh, communicate with a seller, set their expectations appropriately, and then do your best to perform. That's number nine. Uh, last one, number 10, is letting your deal expire without asking for an extension. I guess all of these last four or five are very closely connected and it's where people let deals get away. You know, if something comes up and it's apparent that you won't be able to close the deal in the time promised, ask for an extension to get the job done. Propose that as one of your solutions. Don't just walk away. Don't leave money on the table. I mean, if, if you don't do everything you can to keep that contract under contract, to keep that property yours, somebody else will. Somebody else is going to come in and you know what? It's, going to, it's even going to be easier for the next person. It's going to be easier because you made it easier. You've already educated the seller. And that next person is probably going to tell, them, tell that seller all the exact same things that you told the seller. And they're going to hear it from two different sources, two different people, two unrelated entities. And they're going to be like, wow, it must be true. And that second person is going to get the deal. So don't walk away. Ask for an extension. Alrighty, so if there were other mistakes that I saw last year, there were. There were plenty of other mistakes I saw last year, but, but I'd say those are the 10. Those are the top 10. If I were to offer an 11th mistake, I would say, you know, going out on this business, going after it on your own. Find yourself a coach, find a mentor, find a community, and specifically find a coach, a mentor, and a community that's really doing deals, all right? Find ones that are doing deals and then get involved with them. And, and that's key. Get close to the people that are really doing deals. I found this element to be such an impactful part of my business this last year. Ah, 2014, 2015, it, it's been so impactful. I've talked a lot about my mastermind group. I've brought a lot of members from my mastermind group in here to talk. And if I told you what they, some of the members, there's like 80 of them now. If I told you what some of those, like say the top 30% were doing in there, Y'all just like, that's why I was, you wouldn't even believe it. And that's why, why I said in the beginning where wholesaling, if you think of yourself as a wholesaler, you're thinking really, really small. Okay. And so I found that element of being surrounded with like-minded people and people that are not just like-minded, but they're taking action on their thoughts. They're actually getting out there and doing it. It's had been such an impactful part of my business that I'm recreating it inside of the new Epic Pro Academy, which is almost done. And, uh, and if you'd like to get an advance notice of that, go to epicearlybird.com. Go to epicearlybird.com and provide your email there. You'll be the first to know. And you know specifically what I've done is I, I took the last 12 months of experience with my one-on-one -on -one coaching clients and I placed the meat and potatoes inside of this little six-week plan. 12 months of coaching all wrapped up into the six-week plan and then I created a community and accountability environment around it. And the reason I did that is because what I found is, you know, I, I say this all the time, this is a very simple business. And this is what I mean by that. Over the last year, I worked with 40 plus students and, and found that every single coaching call I had fell into one of six categories. That's how simple it is. It's these six categories, regardless of where they were from or which market they were in or what their resources were, or what their background experience, what their, in, their intelligence level was, it fell into one of these six categories. So I took those six categories, I put them in a proper sequence and then I just went deep inside of those and got really detailed with those six categories and, and put them inside of this, this community, this, this system or this program called the follow-through crew. And, and I called it that because, I called it the follow-through crew because most people don't. So if you want first word of when that will be available, go to epicearlybird.com, epicearlybird.com. All righty. 
So, yeah, that's it for today. I'll see you next week. I'm Matt Terrio, living the dream. You've been listening to Epic Real Estate Investing, the world's foremost authority on separating the facts from the BS in real estate investing education. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to visit iTunes and share your thoughts. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time here at Epic Real Estate Investing with Matt Terrio. If opening up your financial statement each month is about as exciting as watching paint dry, (coughs) the Epic Wealth Fund may be the next investment opportunity for you. The Epic Wealth Fund invests in distressed real estate and shares the profits with its shareholders. If you're an accredited investor who has already enjoyed success elsewhere in their business or investing life, and you're seeking a broader exposure to real estate in your portfolio on a passive basis, the Epic Wealth Fund's executive summary is available for your review. Go to epicwealthfund.com to review the fund's executive summary. epicwealthfund.com Real estate investments involve a high degree of risk. Residential income and returns may vary and are not guaranteed. Past performance is no indication of future performance. Nothing herein shall be construed as investment, tax, legal, or accounting advice. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.